So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day, and I really appreciate you taking just a few minutes out of your busy life to tune in. We are the number one daily recovery podcast out there. Um, There are lots of recovery podcasts, and they're all fantastic. We are probably one of the few, if not one of the only ones that's actually daily, especially in the addiction recovery space. And we only do this for one reason, because we know, uh, specifically I, your host, Sathya, I know that when you're struggling with sexual misbehavior and things in your life, you need all the help you can get. Uh, For me, when I was addicted, I needed daily encouragement. I needed a daily reminder that I was going to make it through, that things were going to get better. It wasn't going to always be like this. And sometimes I could not muster up those reminders myself. And so um, I had to lean, you know, I had to go find videos to encourage me, talk to friends. And I hope you do all of those things. And in addition, I hope this podcast becomes a valuable resource for you um, to provide you insights and tools to recover, but also to spur you along the way and to give you hope on those days where things might be a little bit tougher. Today, we're talking about how to nip trauma in the bud. And I alluded to this on, I think it was actually Friday's episode. Uh, We did uh, an episode about how to identify trauma from the past without fabrication. Fascinating content there. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's not my own per se. It's um, what's fascinating specifically is the research from people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, where, you know, he's kind of illustrating that probably 50% of our memory is fabricated. Uh, That number is not empirical. That's just an approximation. But, you know, um, memory is so complicated. And it's an important part of trauma, you know, and, and our experience of trauma. So I highly recommend if you do have parts of your past that you know are holding you back in some way in your present life, which probably a majority of people would say yes to, I would go back and listen to that one. It's going to help you a lot and just give you some some clarifying insights into how to actually, I guess, ascribe the appropriate weight to memory. Because our memories are not as reliable as we'd like to think, but it's not, you know, it's not like we should ignore them either. Like the pendulum could swing too far in either direction. And there's kind of a a balancing act required to really get the most out of it, especially as it relates to recovery. Today, we're talking about how to nip trauma in the bud. And this is kind of a part two. I didn't really frame it this way. Um, Like the episodes aren't labeled part one and part two. But when you start to understand how trauma impacts the the personal being of somebody, the way they view themselves, the way they experience their present reality, and certainly the decisions that they make concerning the future, you start to realize that this is actually a pretty big deal. And I'd like to illustrate this. I used this example in Friday's episode. I'm going to use it again. I'm going to elaborate a little bit. But you and I carry a, an obligation or a responsibility to manage traumatic experiences better than most people would because we understand its impact. All right. Now, let me before I actually get to my example, let me let me give you a different illustration just to kind of show what I mean. Um, let's let's imagine that we are driving. Okay, and let's say we're we're driving go karts. 
on a go-kart track. So you, myself, a couple guys, we get together and we hit the track, okay? And let's say that the the guy, before he tells you, um, like before you go on the track, before he lets you go, he says, hey, just so you know, there's there's a little bit of a spike strip, not a full spike strip, but there's like a just like a third of a spike strip somewhere on the track. We don't tell people where it is. You kind of just have to fight, figure it out. Um, and it's kind of just like this cool little extra thing that they add that's obviously absolutely terrifying, uh, but it's meant to keep you driving safely and it's meant to add a little bit of an extra challenge for people who like that, okay? So you start driving and uh, lo and behold, there's the spike strip, right? And so you you kind of veer to the right, but then it turns out that there's somebody on your right-hand side. They were coming up. You didn't even see them. And so you turn to your right, you kind of bump into them and the spike strip is quickly approaching. And so you go to the left and oh my gosh, there's somebody on your left as well. And before you know it, you realize you got sandwiched. They totally set you up and boom, you hit the spike strip, Okay. So they, you know, the guy laughs, he comes, he saves you, he, whatever, I don't know, the, this metaphor is going to break down a little bit because obviously they can't just change your tires in an instant and get you back on. But let's just imagine they could, okay? You replace your tires, you get back on, you finish that lap, you're on the second lap. Okay, if, if you know that spike strip is coming a second time and you also know that you probably started to avoid the spike strip a little bit too late, if you go on that second lap, and you do the exact same thing, and the exact same thing happens, um, you are much more responsible for that second mistake. Like the first mistake, we can kind of, we could give you some grace, okay? You didn't know, you're figuring out the, the track. How are you supposed to know that somebody was gonna come up on your right and on your left, right? You were just in the zone, and you know you, you, you tried a little bit too late, you didn't slow down early enough, whatever. But as we like to say, a mistake made once is a mistake, a mistake made twice is a choice. You carry a responsibility to use that intel from that situation so that the next time you are in a similar situation, which in this case is going to be one lap later, that you're making better decisions and you're responding accordingly. That might mean that you're a little bit more preemptive. You're a little bit more careful. It might mean that you are thinking maybe a couple turns ahead because you know where that spike strip is instead of just you know thinking about it on you know that leg of the journey where it's actually in sight. There's a responsibility that comes with experience, okay? And this concept is the same of trauma. So I use this in Friday's episode and I want to use it again. Uh, another driving example. So imagine, you know what? Let's actually just use a real life example. So this actually happened uh, to me with my, my ex. So when we were, we, we dated for about a year, we were on and off. It was very complicated. I've shared about it in other episodes. I'm not going to get into it today, but we were in this very complicated phase where the relationship was kind of on its way out, but not fully out. She got into a major car accident on a highway. Um, I, I, I maybe major is not the right word, but any accident on a highway feels major, even though there were no major injuries and she was okay. Um, I eventually got the call. We were kind of split up. So she, I wasn't like the first person she called, but eventually she texted me or called me. I just got in an accident, blah, 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 blah. So uh, I shouldn't say blah, 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 blah. It was serious. It just doesn't feel that way all these years later. Anyway, so I go and I, um, you know, I, I, I find her and um, this was post-accident. Like the car had been um, removed and she was back at her place. So I went back to her place, checked in on her and we had this big emotional moment. She was like, oh my gosh, like you're always going to be there for me. I'm such a fool. I don't know why I left you. Da, 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 da. We get back together. Uh, it lasted like 48 hours and we split up again. Um, just the hilarious high school university kind of uh, relationship dynamics. 
Um, but in those 48 hours where we were back together, um, she had to drive. She had to go pick up her sister um, and we were hanging out and and I was like, hey, do you want to drive? And she's like, I don't know. Uh, feel kind of weird about it. And I was like, well, honestly, it's probably better you do it now um, and that you wait for it, nip the trauma in the bud, hence today's title. So um, she was like, okay, yeah, all right. Um, so she gets in the car and, um, you know, so I'm like, hey, how you feeling? Everything okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm doing okay. And she just kind of is, it's muscle memory. Like she's just driving where she always goes to pick up her sister. And all of a sudden she realizes that she has to get on the highway and she's on an on-ramp and she's like, oh crap. And I'm like, it's okay, you can do it. And she's like, no, I can't do it. You know, kind of, you could just, the trauma has surfaced, right? And she's in a very, um, a very crucial stage where the trauma is still sensitive and it's still delicate. And if she gives into the fear that is unbelievably real in those moments okay let's not get this wrong unbelievably real but if she gives in what happens is the trauma and its impact becomes uh, deeper rooted more fortified you could even say maybe systemic and it's going to be harder and harder for her to hurdle it we it's easy to logic her way out of it like okay well let's wait till you're comfortable and there's there's some merit to that i'm not against that approach but I was pretty sure in the moment that number one, like given her body language even, she was okay. Her brain was just trying to play tricks on her a little bit. Not even play tricks on her. It was trying to protect her. Um, and number two, I knew that with me there, I could probably guide her through whatever the challenges she may experience, you know, while she's getting onto the highway. So anyways, I'm like, hey, you can do it. Just go for it, you know, whatever. And she, I mean, she was kind of stuck. Like she was already on the on-ramp basically when this was happening. And so she got on and you can kind of see like the, the tight knuckles and the stiff wrists. And, you know, she's doing a shoulder check, but she's doing like 75 shoulder checks. And, you know, she does it and um, she merges on and just see the shoulders relax. Like, whew, okay, like I did it, you know, and, and she's locked in. Um, and this, it's just a small story, but this is exactly what it looks like to nip trauma in the bud. And when you and I know, when we know the impact that trauma has on our lives. Think about what trauma has caused you in your sexuality, in your relationships, in your intimacy, in your marriage. When you know what trauma has, the way trauma has impacted you, we must be hyper vigilant when we experience new tra traumas and new traumatic moments to be on guard and to nip things in the bud as quickly as possible. Now, I want to get super practical because I don't want you to hear this the wrong way. It, it is not that we become these uh, brute force, tyrannical kind of like, I don't feel anything, I'm going to push against it and just do the right thing kind of stuff in these moments of trauma. Um, when I say nip things in the bud, let me give you a little bit of an idea of what that might entail. Um, so for example, we had talked about this um, on Friday's episode. It was especially pertinent for the discussion around memory. But we know that your recollection accuracy diminishes exponentially in the first couple of days. So the sooner that you start talking to someone or start writing down what happened when you experienced something traumatic the more reliable it's going to be later on. Very, very important because a lot of people remember trauma incorrectly. And so the more accurate we can get in our account of what's taken place, 
the more helpful it will be in our processing and our recovery. Number two, trauma will always part of part of what what happens with trauma is is we um, we have this this fear memory that comes up and says, "Don't do that because the last time you did it, you got hurt." I I was at the bank a couple of days ago. I, I guess it's a couple of weeks ago at the time of this episode, and I was at t- depositing a check for about thirty three hundred dollars, and um, and so anyway, I was on the phone. And, you know, it's funny, a bunch of people are like, why'd you go to the bank to deposit a check? Like, it's 2022, you know, there's like apps on your phone, you can do that. I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm old school, I wasn't thinking it through. I've deposited checks on my, on my app before. But anyways, I'm at the bank, I'm at the ATM, I deposit the check, it, it, I'm on the phone, and it reads the number, and usually it's right. There's been like once or twice in my life where I've had to correct it. And anyways, this was one of those times, but I, because I was on the phone, and I was just hitting okay, just trying to get, you know, a task done and move on to my next errand. Um, I didn't realize that actually it had misread the amount by $2,000. Ouch. So I hit okay. It was, I, you know, I'm like profusely pressing the cancel button, but it's way too late. The transaction's gone through. So I, you know, I, I was upset, but I was like, whatever, I'll just go and talk to the teller. I'm sure it'll be fine. It was not fine. They're like, yeah, we have to open up a claim, da, da, da. And I'm like, no, the, the check is right there. Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, sorry, sir. Like, this is our protocol, blah, 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 blah. Super annoying. So anyway, um, I didn't. I didn't need the money. It was. It was bonus cash that had come through from something unexpected, and so not a big deal. I mean, if you can imagine, if I did need that money to pay bills, that would have been super frustrating. Um, but anyway, I, I I drove home and whatever, just figuring out ways to kind of work around what happened and making a note of it in my calendar so that like thirty days from now, if the money doesn't show up or I don't hear anything, I obviously need to do my part. And um, a couple of days later, I'm driving by the bank because I go on that, down that road all the time. It's, it's the bank that's closest to my house. And as soon as I'm there, I feel, I literally feel the memory in my body, the tension in my chest and kind of this, this, these sort of angry, bitter, resentful thoughts are in my brain like, oh, stupid bank, rah, 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 you know? And it's that it's literally those small things. And I remember actually I had the thought, next time I'm never depositing money there again. See, this this is the trauma response, right? It's it's trying to set up the safeguards to protect us from what happened. Not that that is necessarily this huge traumatic experience. It's really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. And at the time I'm recording this, I already got the $2,000 back in my account. Not a big deal. But our brains, our brains have responded. And so nipping trauma in the bud sometimes looks like confronting the fear head on. And so before, uh, before I got this $2,000 back and like if the situation felt more resolved in my heart, I made an effort to go deposit something at that bank. I didn't need to. I could have done it on my app. I could have gone to a different branch. But that thing in my brain that was starting to form a barrier, I wanted to break down before it got built up any further. So these are the two things I want you guys to really pay attention to. Consider these preventative measures that allow us to mitigate the impact of trauma in our lives, right? We can't do anything about what's happened, but when we encounter new experiences that would be deemed traumatic, we obviously we need the, the self-awareness to identify it as one of those situations. That's why our first pillar of recovery is self-awareness, okay? But then secondly, when you have that awareness to understand, there's two things I can do right now. Number one, I need to increase my chances of the most getting the most accurate account possible, depending on the trauma that might be you know practical, and other times that's gonna be totally impractical. 
Secondly, is you want to confront the fears, the things that that you have built up these resistances to, you want to confront as quickly as possible before they become points of callousness, bitterness, resentment, anger, um, unforgiveness, whatever it might be. And again, easier said than done. And I know some of you guys have been through some serious stuff. Maybe some of you are going through some serious stuff right now, but take the principles here, take the concepts, see how you can apply it and nip that trauma in the bud. Because if you can nip the trauma in the bud, you're going to save yourself years of counseling and therapy. And you know, think of just the residual compounding impacts of trauma. If you could just nip that stuff in the bud, you'd be so much better off and your life would move forward so much faster. So that's everything for today, guys. I hope that was helpful. I want to thank you so much for listening. I wish you an incredible day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.